You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cavaliers podcast, your daily look at the always interesting Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm Chris Manning, your host and the site manager at FearTheSword.com, SB Nation's Cleveland Cavaliers blog. If you aren't already, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Megaphone, Overcast, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. A five-star review is the best way to support the show, and I appreciate everyone that has already done that and continues to leave those reviews. You can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at Lockdown Cavs, and you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWMWrites. On today's show, we're going to kick off our play reviews with a look at the team's two-way players. That's John Holland and London Perantes, O'Gara White, Jetty Osman, and Ante Zizic. We're going to go into every Cavs player in this series I'm going to talk more about the finals as well at some point this week, a big season look back, but we're going to start off the player reviews today, and then we'll get into draft, we'll get into everything else that is coming this summer in the coming weeks. To start with the two-way players, neither John Holland or London Perantes, I think are particularly worth having around in the long term. I think both worked really hard this season. The Cavs did them, I think, a solid in having them around throughout the playoffs. They got some good reps, and I think you saw them working pregame with Osman with an assistant coach whose name I, I do not know, and as well as a Carl White who we're going to talk about, and with Zizic and Kendrick Perkins working on and, and Osman getting some reps in, in this group as well. Perantes flashed some really good court vision in the G League. There are a number of no-look passes he threw. He had a good assist-to-turnover ratio and did a lot of his best work as a distributor. There's value to that, and I think there is potential there for him, and he's a solid four-year college guy coming out of, of Virginia. But there are other guys that are at least as good as him that maybe have better athletic profiles, and maybe the Cavs take a point guard at number eight. Maybe Trey Young is the pick. Maybe Colin Sexton is the pick. So I think there's a chance you just do not see him on the roster next season. It would not shock me if he is a, a invite to Las Vegas for Summer League, but I, I think there's you could do better as far as a two-way guy goes. There's no slide to him. I think he's just a replacement-level player. As for John Holland, he's solid as they come for a plug-and-play G League guy. He's 29, and he just is what he is at this point. He's a decent shooter, good def- goodish defender, averageish defender at the NBA level, can fill in spot minutes at at the on the wing. He's not a DeAndre Liggins type where he's you know at least good at defense or anything of that nature, but he's just sort of solid. If LeBron returns, I think he makes some sense about bringing back as a two-way guy. If you got had an injury in the wing, my original argument for him was that he could just fill some minutes. I think there's certainly value to that. If LeBron does not return, I think going in a younger, more potential, heavy way makes the most sense for not just his two-way slot, but either two-way slot for Canton. He could still play with the charge. He could still be around in some capacity. I believe they would hold his rights, um, but I do think there would be better options. I think what they did this year with LeBron in the first year of the two-way deals was get one guy they thought maybe could develop and then one guy who could plug and play if they had injuries and needed to call him up. Uh, Holland, you know, was active much more than Perantes was. That would make sense if LeBron comes back. That increases Holland's chances, in my mind, of coming back. But 
If not, I would go in a different direction if I was Kobe Allman in the front office. White is a guy that could fill that role. Carl White was not, never played a game for the Cavs. He was on 10-day deals and then was signed for the playoff run. From my understanding, he will be on the roster at Summer League. Um, his contract is only guaranteed up to the first game next season, so if the Cavs waive him between now and then, he is off the roster. But if they keep him, they would owe him, I think, a little, like almost $2 million next season. So what I think the plan for him should be, and what it seems to me it'll be, is what they do with him at Summer League and how he does in training camp will be an indication of what he's going to do. It's possible they cut him before then. Um, I don't think that's out of the question. But I think they like what he potentially offers. White is a guy that had some success with the Heat. Um, he was part of that really magical Heat team when they went on that winning streak last season. It was dealing with injuries this year. He's 6'8", he's only 25, so you could talk yourself into him not being at his best yet. Um, he's he's kind of skinny, and he's not a particularly good shooter, but he's a good defender, can do a little do a little bit of everything, could still keep getting better on that end of the floor as a shooter. Um, I think that's that if he could ever just become a consistent three-point shooter, that would certainly help him a lot. He's a guy that I would keep around. I think he's at the very least a good would be a good two-way option next season. I think at the at the at the very high end, maybe he is a rotation guy in a bad Cavs team next year. Maybe he if if some team throws money at Jeff Green or whatever, or uh, he's someone who just they need a wing, or if they trade Osman for example, or if they just they have to they need a guy at the end of the bench on the main roster. He to me makes a lot of sense. But I think a lot of it would depend on how he plays in Vegas, how he looks in training camp, and what the context of this team looks like. It's really hard to project basically anyone on this roster, for the most part, of what their role is next season and what sort of matters because LeBron will impact it. It extends to Kevin Love, obviously. It extends to Larry Nance, George Hill, everybody. But White is the guy, to, is an example of that. He he offers you different things depending on what your roster looks like and what your roster is geared for. Maybe they decide, okay, he makes most sense in a LeBron-heavy roster where we just need competent wing play. Maybe he also makes sense to them in a potential way at 25 as a low-risk, um, high-ish, or average-ish upside kind of guy. But it, it remains to be seen what LeBron's going to do, and then it's so in that case, it's hard to project out exactly what he looks like as an NBA player. To move on to Jetty Osman... Let's start with this. The Cavs, when they traded Dwayne Wade to the Heat to help clear, they said they were, they were doing that to help make playing time for Osman. That didn't really happen. He did play in a decent number of games this season, a lot of it in garbage time. But there's certainly um, a reason to me to argue that doing that was a doing that trade and then not playing Jetty was a wasted opportunity. And the move, in hindsight, definitely looks like them selling a move that was for another locker room related reason. I liked the selling point. I was very intrigued by that comment. I thought it was a it was a change in tone for the Cavs to some degree, but it didn't happen. There, though, to me, is a lot to like about what Jetty was as a rookie. Number one, he acclimated well on the defensive end. He he made mistakes. Obviously, he's a kind of a jumpy defender, but they threw a lot at him and he handled it pretty well. They had him defend guys like Kyrie, guys like Russell Westbrook, guys like Carmelo. Um, even if Melo is not great anymore or maybe even good anymore he's at least he's he's Carmelo the Cavs trusted him to do that I know they had respect for what Melo could be and the Cavs let him go at high level guys when he played from the get-go he played within himself ran the floor well and he played hard 
And in this particular team, the playing hard aspect of, of playing hard aspect of this mattered quite a bit. Jetty makes his impact by frankly playing hard to some degree, and that showed up when he was in the game. It's why he just sort of stood out in, to some degree, I would argue. Maybe they could have used that more. Maybe they could have relied on a guy like that, and maybe that could have made some kind of a difference. Um, in the context of the season, it, it might not have meant all that much in the in the grand scheme. I don't think Jetty playing hard and being a real rotation guy wins you a title, but maybe it helps not with some of the, the rougher edges on this team. I don't know, but that's just it's possible, I guess. And in the context of this season with him really not being a real rotation guy, but being around, uh, to me, one G League appearance for him was too few. I think maybe investing time in there where if they were on a long road trip, maybe getting against some G League reps would have made some sense or a one-off G League appearance. Canton's like an hour drive at most from Cleveland. It's not like he has to fly from like Miami to across the country like their situation. So I would have liked to maybe just some more G League just for the reps purposes. For Osman, what comes next is going to be really interesting and important for his development as a player. It will not entirely decide what his future is, but it's going to play a part. Um, number one, I think he needs to develop as a shooter. I think teams, if he would have played in the playoffs, they would have ignored him. He's just not a knockdown shooter at this point, not a competent real shooter, not a proven shooter at this point. He shot 87 threes this year in 61 games. That's not a lot, even if his 36.8% uh, three-point percentage is good. He needs reps handling the ball to... When he's on the floor of the season, he just was never asked to do it, understandably so. If he's going to hit some higher level of quality of play, that's going to be a part of it. He needs to be someone who handles the ball a little bit, can make some simple reads, kind of turn into what JR does, is just a secondary guy. To me, that seems obtainable. Um, he certainly has a willingness to push the ball to the floor. He had that assist in Orlando that, that the team loved um, when he threw that pass to Kevin Love. And, and he has the vision and the willingness to do it. So I would like to see him get some more reps into doing it. And it doesn't worth. it is worth noting that him playing with LeBron in this context does matter. That's going to limit any young player's ball handling reps, so that matters. And if LeBron stays, to me, settling in to a 3 and D role next year seems to be as good as it would get for him. If he could develop some of these things, do some secondary creation, become a good shooter, that would help him. And if he goes... If LeBron goes, maybe Osman get the chance to flourish in a bigger role. Um, that could that could certainly happen, and I think that would be interesting to see how he would adapt that. And you certainly would have some more highs and lows for him in that regard. There's also a chance uh, this summer that he's treated as a trade chip if LeBron says uh, he's staying and that he wants as much veteran help as possible. Maybe he's used as a trade sweetener or salary matching. The Cavs don't have a lot of assets, and he would probably be their best young asset in my estimation. Osman is highly likely to play at Summer League with Zizic as long as he's on the Cavs. He'll be with the number eight pick there as well. O'Carl White, Perantes, Holland perhaps, and, and whoever else they bring in. I think it'd be really good for him to go through this. It's the first time he would play at Summer League. It gets him low risk reps, lots of them, and just time to work on his game in a really risk-free, low-stress environment. There, you'd want to look for him to handle the ball more, get some reps, um, if the Cavs don't take a point guard on the draft, there's a chance he could play a, a role as a leader, co-lead creator. I would really like to see that. Um, I, I, th I think there's a decent chance to take a point guard, but I would almost want them to take a wing and then deal with this. Maybe this pushes him into what he did for Turkey. There, uh, with the national team last summer, before he came over to the NBA, he did a little bit of everything. He was everywhere on the floor, and 
he was just a dynamo in, in a variety of ways. He's not a star by any means, but he's someone that I think has the potential to just be a really interesting player in terms of his creation and his shooting and his defense. And if that guy could get pushed there through the summer, through the work he does, that would be really big for the Cavs. It would it would give them something they didn't have this season, and it would give them some youth that they I think this roster sort of does need. And uh, I, I would just like to see what he could do with that kind of opportunity. And I think... Ty, he did gain the respect, I think, of not even just the locker room, but Ty Lu. Uh, Ty, I think, likes Osman. I think he likes certain other things more. Um, I think he he trusts the the sort of more proven guys like Clarkson or Jeff Green or Jordan Clarkson a little bit more, Rodney Hood a little bit more. But I think there's a potential for Osman to make an impact on this team next season. And I think a good summer for him and, and a developmental summer where he takes some sort of a leap into year two would, would be really big. Lastly, we're going to look at Ante Zizic. Zizic, is, he's just 21, so keep that in mind when as we think about him. But he did a lot of his work this year and a lot of his good work um, away from the spotlight of LeBron and of the, the main happenings on the Cavs. I wrote about him today in Fear the Swords play review series, so you can oh, that'll be in the show notes, or you can go to fearthesword.com and read that. But um, I think he had a really interesting year to some degree. He spent a lot of time in the G League. He averaged almost a double-double there. He really grew there into a lead role and did some really nice things. He showed um, the ability to be a, a useful hub in offense. He was a good rebounder. He he defended the rim, not as a shot blocker, but in just contesting shots, I thought, pretty well there. With the Cavs, he worked a lot with Vitaly Potapenko, um, and then you saw that payoff. You saw how working with Potapenko, a veteran NBA center, on the little things, the footwork, the the post position, just the, the things that make you a good player. He really worked on those, and you saw that show up. Um, you saw that in, in how much he improved. I think some mentorship from Kendrick Perkins, who was with the Charge and then with the Cavs in the postseason, helped him as well. I think you saw him. He worked a lot with Perk, and I think that certainly helped him, as well as getting reps with guys like Nance, guys like Kevin Love, and guys like Tristan Thompson in, in the practice the Cavs had. You saw him, I think, through this this work and the diligence he seemed to put in really pay off. When he played early in the season, he was overwhelmed. And then when he got some playing time in March, you saw a guy that could be an NBA player. In March, when he played seven straight games or eight straight games, I think, he had a nice touch with the ball. He had a really good feel for the game. He showed some really good body control, some nice touch at the rim, just a really good feel for what was going on around him. He's a guy who played to his strengths. Zizic is not a freak athlete, so he relied on his positioning and his footwork to net him wins on the court. He doesn't try to jump over you, but he he knows what he's doing. He takes the ball in one fluid motion and makes the right move, or he he makes the right pass and just sort of gets himself in good position. On on rebounding, you you don't see him try to leap over guys. He just puts his body into someone and reads it and gets himself in the right position. He also battles. Um, This is a guy who... Maybe isn't as physical as Tristan, but you see a guy who actually does put his body into screens. Um, he when he gets switched onto guys, smaller wings or guards, you see him struggle with containment. That's a footwork issue, to my estimation. But he battles and he at least tries. When you get the Lakers game, uh, where he had a, one of his best games in that game when they're playing in LA against Isaiah and all those guys, he he had a really nice thing where he was switched onto Kyle Kuzma Kuzma drove and he got a strip and the ball went the other way um just a really good work from him in that context and he's getting better at that and is that's only gonna I think better with time with more reps for summer league expect more of the same he should be a main hub of the offense in Vegas 
Um, heading into next season, though, his place on the team will largely depend on what the roster looks like. If LeBron returns and then the Cavs bring back Thompson and Nance and Kevin Love, there might not be a lot of minutes for him. There, there's just a lot of guys that are, Love should be playing some five. Nance and Thompson are basically only fives. And if LeBron leaves, maybe they clear out space with Thompson and Love gone and, and him and Nance are the two centers next year. Maybe Nance is the starter, he comes off the bench and it plays 20, 25 minutes a game. Um, and like Jetty, and maybe he uh, Zizic is considered a trade chip. He could be uh, one of the few things they have to sweeten a deal to try to go get help for LeBron if LeBron says he's going to stay. Zizic, again, is 21, and I really do think he has the makings of a legit NBA player. The Cavs or somebody else should really like this guy. I think you look at the film, you look at the stats that he put up in his limited minutes, I think there's something there to mind. I'm very intrigued to see what his next step is. Just not a guy that was in the spotlight this season, but... From the moment he got to Cleveland, this is a guy that did his work outside of it. At his introductory press conference, it was Jay Crowder and Isaiah and Daniel Gilbert and Kobe Altman. Zizic was the fifth guy there, just kind of chilling, hanging out. He was the fifth wheel. Funny that he's the last player left actually coming from Boston in that deal. And the one that is going to offer the Cavs, maybe not the, didn't offer the Cavs the most this season, but is going to have the best long-term impact on the franchise. If things work out correctly and, and depending on what happens with the number eight pick, of course. That'll be it for today's show. So we'll be back tomorrow with more on the Cavs offseason and, and season in review, as well as NBA draft breakdowns with Trevor McNaughty. We'll be doing a big end-of-season mailbag and off-season preview as well. So if you want your question answered, tweet that till at LockdownCavs on Twitter. You can put it on Facebook at LockdownCavs, or you can email the show at LockdownCavs at gmail.com. A five-star review on iTunes, by the way, guarantees that your question will be answered on the mailbag. Thank you for listening. This has been Chris Manning, the host of Lockdown Cavaliers. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Cheers, y'all, and have a great Monday.